It's the show for real people doing real work in social media. It's the Social Pros Podcast from Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, featuring Jeff Roars and special contributor Zena Wiest. Presented by Interactive Marketing Hub, Exact Target, and sponsored by Jan Rain, the leaders in social sign-in and interaction. Cision, giving marketers and PR pros tools to expand their exposure. And Xbeon, social engagement software for world-class companies. Ready to accelerate your social media? Let's get to work. Welcome back, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media full of turkey, cranberry, and stuffing. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert on this very special post-American Thanksgiving episode, joined, as always, by the jolly Jeff Roars from Exact Target and author of the smashing new book, Audience, and the lovely and talented Midwestern Dynamo, Zena Wiest from Xbeon, here on the podcast today. Hi, gang. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. I was actually involved in frying two different turkeys uh, over the last few days with no injuries, which I take that as a serious, serious uh, milestone in my life. I'm pretty impressed because all I did on Thanksgiving was watch YouTube videos of people destroying their houses with fried turkey. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like its own it's, like it's, a, it's its own Tumblr blog, right? It's a meme. So the fact that I was able to do that without incident, uh, I'm pretty proud of. It was pretty impressive, though. I watched a, a, a gaggle of Facebook friends descend upon another friend who uh, I think seriously said, oh, something was wrong in his setup of his fryer, so they were going to have to... Uh, they were going to have to fry the turkey in the house. Oh, God, don't do that. And oh, the no. comments were just like, no, it was like running to stop the car crash. <laughs> and he said, oh, everybody's convinced me to do it out in the garage or outside. So I haven't heard from that friend. So maybe I should actually check on his status. My cousins made that exact same decision a few years ago. And while they were able to fry the turkey without burning down their house, they had uh like an oil slick in their in their t- on their tile for about 2 months afterwards because you know you you slop a, a you know 20 foot trail of uh of peanut oil uh across your house it's going to be a little tough to get that out of your grout yeah i'm i'm all about the brining and uh cooking in the oven i mean we did have an oven fire that entertained our foreign exchange student <laughs> for about a minute uh but uh that was because of a leaky uh drip pan so that's how we do it in America, kids. Well, what we should have had for Thanksgiving is some sort of extraordinary cereal, perhaps. Uh, and our special guest on the podcast today, uh, Kevin Hunt, who is the corporate social media manager for General Mills. Kevin, do you have that? Do you actually have a Thanksgiving-themed cereal that we can tell the kids about? <laughs> That's one we might need to work at. But uh, I, I should say in my uh, my, my former uh, TV news days, uh, sitting in a newsroom, uh, it was inevitable that there would be the the call to dispatch of a fire in some suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul or someone making that turkey, as you guys have described. So uh, it gave me a nice little flashback to my TV days. Yeah, it's not even an on-the-spot thing, right? It's actually in the morning rundown. Well, we assume in the C segment <laughs> there's going to be somebody, you know, who burned their house down. We don't know who yet, but we know it's going to happen. You just pull, you know, just plot it in. Guaranteed lead story. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been uh, doing social media now for General Mills for, what, three years or more than three years? 
Yeah, um, just about three years. Yeah. What is what has changed in that in that period of time for you? I mean, I'll, I know a lot of things have changed, but when you think back to kind of when you got started in that position, uh, you know, what's what's the what's the big move on the chessboard that's that's changed your responsibilities? Well, I think uh, certainly, yeah, as new platforms have come around, but uh, just the, the the attention uh, and the time people have to devote to content that you're uh, producing and putting out there certainly uh, you just can track that over time and say, wow, we you know the long form content is still important, but there's so many more little nuggets here and there that people are responding to, be it uh, Pinterest and Instagram and things like that. So from a content standpoint, it's been uh, there are always things to be uh, out there. Stay in, trying to stay on top of and think about different ways that uh, that we can tell our story. It's, it's interesting that you say that kind of the you know making content granular uh, being a big change because I know you kind of got your start in social uh, so to speak on the blogging side right at Thompson Writers you were sort of on the uh, th- that was your initial kind of step into the social media world. That's right. The uh, legal division here in Minnesota, um, you know, is on the CorpCom team and and certainly social media was blowing up at the time and. You know, just that transition from traditional, you know, media relations and PR, and and saw that our customers uh, for the legal group there were out there blogging and and jumping on Twitter and and you know getting out on Facebook and just we started to say, well, how can we how can we leverage uh, these channels for our purposes? And and you know, great company and a lot of assets from the content perspective when you think about legal industry and. And uh, authors with various expertise. So we really tried to, you know, create a blog that not only spoke to what we were about as a company, but also, you know, how can we tap into the legal issues and trends and things that uh, our customers were talking about. And that was what 2005. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And I tell you what, doing doing legal oriented corporate blogging in 2005. That's a trip on the wayback machine. You were uh, <laughs> you were commendably early, my friend. That was that's impressive. <laughs> Well, it was interesting, as I said, you know, customers were doing it, and and I was, you know, seeing what uh, other companies were doing as well. Certainly, early days of of Dell and General Motors and others, and uh, and just uh, as a journalist, uh, you know, wanted to get uh, in on the action, so to speak, and and uh, was fortunate enough to have a, a boss and uh, coworkers who were also eager to to try some new things, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. That's great. Tell me about sort of how it works at General Mills. Now you're on the corporate uh, social media side, but of course you've got many, many brands and, and maybe mention a few if you'd like in your answers so that people kind of have a context for just how big General Mills is. Uh, how does it work between the social media that individual brands are putting out there versus what you're doing on the corporate side? And, and what do the teams look like across the enterprise there? Sure. Uh, happy to to go through it. So we've got, uh, you know, we're one of the world's biggest companies uh, in the food industry, obviously, and, and really a global company with offices and, and plants all over the, the world. Uh, you know, our focus has been uh, in our heritage in Minnesota and, and in the U.S., but uh, certainly international makes up a, a big part of our business now. So the the way we're structured, yeah, I sit on the, the corporate public relations team, technically the global communications external group. Um, you know, it's my job to you know look after the the corporate story and, and the company story through the channels that we have. Um, you know, whether it's our company Twitter account, our blog, and some other things that we can talk about. Um, but the advantage that I have then is is that the brands, the way that they're set up a little bit, you know, separately uh, with their own uh, you know resources and community managers and things like that. So it's it's up to me to kind of 
do my best to be tapped into what's going on on the brand side. So we have great brands like you know Betty Crocker, uh, Pillsbury, YoPlay, uh, Green Giant, Cheerios, and all the the big G cereals. So you know more than a hundred brands operating in a hundred different countries, and and so those those big brands um, are are really organized in their social properties to uh, to take advantage of each of their unique brand purpose. And uh, you know I, I work with those folks on that side. Uh, again, to highlight their stories, their people, their projects, and all those things. So, I'm, you know, it's it's on me to really understand what their goals are and and how they're talking to consumers. Um, and it, it's interesting, you know, within the last year and a half, you talked about off the top, you know, some of the biggest changes. Uh, you know, internally, we we made a shift on the brand side, um, where a lot of our community management and strategy on the digital side was was really outsourced. Although we had, you know, the in-house folks uh, really guiding it, a lot of the day-to-day -day was done by agencies or folks on the outside. And what we did uh, was to really bring that back in-house. So our, I'd say, 15 to 20 of our biggest brands now have you know, full-time community managers. There's digital strategists, and so each of those brands is is connected. You know, uh, we we meet as a group, and everybody's you know trying to stay on top of what's going on, not only the company but you know the things that affect our channels and platforms. But they, they each have their own goals, and you know it's you know they it, it's been incredibly helpful to watch you know from my perspective to see how they're responding to you know really having folks in house to be able to to listen better and to be able to engage better uh, when it comes to the content. So say for example in Betty Crocker's case, having somebody who's on there uh, to share food content to interact with consumers who are you know posting pictures of of their uh, you know baking. Uh, uh, these stories in their own kitchen, things like that, uh, to be able to see what they're doing, and and uh, also then the the big picture, you know, things like uh, Betty has the the families project, something a few months back where they really took an initiative to to celebrate the way that families have changed over time, and certainly that's that's key to what Betty Crocker is all about. You know, for years and years it was speaking to the the homemaker who was a woman in the home, and certainly families are very different, so. Uh, it's a way for us to kind of tap into those stories and help tell those through the corporate channels as well. And and uh, you know it's 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 been interesting to see. And and by no means is it a perfect system. There's still um, you know on the editorial side there there's so much going on and so many brands. Uh, you know I mentioned the global aspect of it to really know and, and to be in the know uh, when things are coming around the bend is a challenge. Uh, but we're we've made some great strides there and and really trying to have. You know, essentially, beat reporters all over the business, where they whether they be here in Minnesota or uh, or elsewhere. Kevin, this is Jeff. I'm I'm interested in what are the parameters of the community manager within your ecosystem? Is it strictly brand specific? Is it channel specific? How how do you divvy up what falls within that responsibility set? And then uh, I might have a follow up for you based on the answer, just to understand who picks up other pieces around that. Sure. For the most part, that community manager is responsible for any platforms and channels that uh, that a brand has. So, uh, in the case of Pillsbury, so they're active on Facebook, of course, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest. That one community manager really has a lot on her plate uh, to, you know, try and, and drive uh, awareness and engagement of of the food content that they're putting out. They have a really robust calendar. That uh, falls along, as you might expect, seasonally and, and with the holidays here. Um, you know, making sure that uh, that that calendar kind of speaks to each platform, not treating them all the same. 
Uh, but it is really one person who, with the help of digital strategists and marketing managers, they're all intertwined, and uh, it's it's quite a quite a process, and it's really been uh, interesting to see it it uh, progress as quickly as it has uh, with that community manager really only being on the job for maybe over a year to you know maybe closer to a year and a half to two years uh, to see that transformation take place, and and I think they've you know each brand kind of looks and says. Wow, Facebook is taking up a lot of our time. Maybe we need somebody else to handle the Pinterest side of it, or, or you know, some help with the Twitter engagement. And as I say that too, I, sh I should mention our consumer services group has recently uh, taken a more active role in the social component. Um, to, you know, with the the content system that we have, we're able to flag things that come in, be it a product issue or consumer questions, things like that. So that community manager no longer has to. Uh, manage all of that, which is certainly important, uh, but our consumer services team has really um, increased their their uh, knowledge of social media and, uh, and best practices when it comes to relating to consumers. Now, do, do they have, um, I, I guess, thinking about those community managers, are there any shared goals at a corporate level that each of them uh, is being measured by and therefore might be sharing best practices kind of horizontally across the different product lines? Or is it pretty much up to the, the individual product managers to dictate specific goals for that particular product line? I'd say it's it's pretty specific to each brand. Again, I'm not in the trenches with them every day, so just based on my conversations with them and and you know, as we get together and really think about you know maximizing each of these channels, I would say that they are they measure themselves differently when it comes to each of their goals. So the big ones like Pillsbury and and Betty Crocker certainly you know get the the line share of attention, the, the most followers and most fans, things like that. So they have a a lot more riding on you know, being topical and and having great content out there sharing. Whereas some of our smaller brands like say a, a Green Giant. Uh, a smaller team, um, you know, how are they measuring? You know, what are their specific goals? Are they are they, you know, around a specific product launch? Is it about raising awareness of uh, an ingredient that, uh, you know, a, a product that's a part of a, a larger recipe, things like that? But uh, yeah, as far as specifics, each of them I think approach that uh, a little bit differently. Whereas on the corporate side, you know, I'm I'm primarily pushing uh, reputation management. Uh, awareness of what we like to call brand general mills and really growing um, you know what it means to for the consumer to see that that G on a product or to see general mills on a product and to understand the company behind it so whereas our the things that we measure are not as specific perhaps as maybe a, a brand side you know when you have take like a fiber one campaign a few years ago a fun one with uh, Cheech and Chong if you had seen that one about two years ago the Magic Brownie campaign, very, very, very fun, <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, you know, their specific goals there. They they had a microsite set up. They were certainly sharing it through Facebook and, and Twitter and the like um, to you know just drive awareness of that campaign and that new product, this new Fiber One uh, Brownie Bar. And uh, I think in terms of metrics for a campaign like that, it was a lot more driven around not only awareness but perhaps sales and. And things that you could actually tie back to uh, the launch of the product, and it turned out to be a successful run. And Cheech and Chong did their part. Gotcha. Well, I've got one more uh, product line that I wanted to ask a question about. And granted, Halloween's in the rearview mirror, but 
you had a, a relaunch of a couple of cereal brands, uh, Fruity Yummy Mummy and Quentin Tarantino's favorite fruit fruit <laughs> uh, this, this past uh, Halloween season. In fact, uh, got some really great press in the Wall Street Journal uh, back in August uh, about the return of those two monster brand cereals to the lineup that includes Booberry, Count Chocula, Frankenberry. Um, because they have those animated characters and because it kind of returns a lot of folks to their childhood, I imagine that was kind of a fun one to play with in social media. Are there any good stories or outcomes that you can share with our listeners uh, from those campaigns? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because that really, you know, that's something that, you know, only being here at the company three years, the, the first couple of runs through the uh, the seasonal availability of, of the Monster Cereals was was quite interesting to see that the amount of people talking about these uh, online is just crazy. And uh, so knowing that, especially from last fall, uh, coming into this fall, um, you know, fi- working with that big G team to say, well, what do you have new? And, and to hear that they're relaunching those two um, definitely gave us an opportunity to get out in front and, and just to kind of test the really the the visibility of our, our blog and how we could work with that brand team. So that was one where um, we knew that they were actively engaging uh, influencers and kind of trying to build buzz on their own on the brand side. But we said, well, why don't we get that blog post out there before we get the press release out the door? And let's, uh, you know, let's try to take advantage of some of that interest. And I was just blown away. I think we had at least 15 or so uh, blogs or mainstream media. You mentioned the Wall Street Journal, the Time Magazine, Adage. Uh, all linking back to our blog and the story that we did um, when we acknowledged that, yep, these two cereals are going to be available. Get them while you can. And it just—it was just fun to see the amount of interest uh, that just lasted. I'd say a good couple of months. Uh, by far, you know, led that post to be our, our most trafficked blog post in in the two and a half years of the blog. Uh, we ended up doing a Twitter chat with a marketing manager that had we had some fun with. Uh, you know, people were able to ask their questions and and. The most common one being, why don't you make these all year long? But, uh, you know, it's certainly they're in seasonal production. But it's just fun to see something like that resonate with people. You know, certainly I recall those cereals uh, as a kid of the 80s and uh, and so many others do too. And, and you know, it doesn't hurt to have the, the movie uh, trivia uh, along with it. So uh, the biggest question I think that came out of it is, are you going to bring those two back again next year? And we'll just have to see. Oh, you will. It's like the McRib. They'll be back. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, actually wanted you to share with us a little bit about the Hello Serial Lovers, one of my favorite communities all over the social space that General Mills launched. Can you share a little bit about the background on that and how you guys came up with that and who from the teams work on that? Sure. Again, that uh, came from the brand side and some really smart folks uh, on the Big G team uh, really taking a look at, you know, what... What can we do to you know capture that excitement that people have around cereal? And and the neat thing about Hello Cereal Lovers is has nothing to do with you know General Mills brands, for example, as you've probably seen. That you know can we can we celebrate all cereals and not only just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but you know you know some recipes and things like people can use uh, you know perhaps at Thanksgiving, as you mentioned off the top. Um, just a neat campaign and 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 to do it in a way that you know, yes, there's General Mills branding on the Tumblr site that they have, and and you know if you visit the Facebook page for the campaign that it's it's General Mills if you dig deep enough. But at the core of it is just you know capturing that that love for cereal that people have, and it's been fun for me to 
to watch and see. They they had kind of a soft launch with it, wanting to you know, kind of grow the the audience for it a little bit and 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 see which way they wanted to take it. But just a fun way to to bring content into Tumblr and into Facebook and you know all you know you know coinciding with uh, you know, the National Cereal Lovers Week a few weeks back. Uh, some events with some celebrity chefs who uh, created some uh, recipes that in- involve cereal, things you wouldn't even think of from cocktails to uh, pasta dishes, just really cool. And and it's just an example of, I think, what General Mills does a lot uh, across our brands is, you know, let's let's get an idea, let's try this, let's see if it works, let's see how people react to it. And in this case, you know, it's been a lot of fun to see because, you know, you the, the cereal business for us is obviously what most people, um, you know, connect with General Mills, but it's just, you know, it's one of five, you know, divisions for us, you know, you know, whether it's yogurt or, or the meal categories or Haggadahs ice cream, things like that. Uh, but cereal is huge. And uh, that's our legacy as a company. And, and certainly the, the evokes the, the, the feelings that people have uh, from their childhood, but also just today's cereal being highly nutritious and full of whole grain and, and all those things that we like to talk about too, in addition to having some fun with that campaign. So I'm glad you brought that one up. It's great, and it ties into all the pop culture references as well. I mean, I see mashups and recipes, and the bowl selfies are a riot. I love right. it, and people take <laughs> those really seriously. I know. I mean, I know. I. I mean, you pop in the fruit, you make it look great, you know. And the recipes, I see a recipe here where you know it has Kellogg's Special K in it. So yeah, right. you're not. It's not just about General Mills. It's about making the best recipes for cereal lovers. It's great. I love it. Right. I think if you lift that cereal category up, no matter what the the brand or, or the maker of that box is, I think it helps us all. And and certainly we we believe in in cereal, and and certainly believe in the uh, the uh, the connection that people have at breakfast, uh, whether it's Cheerios, Lucky Charms, or any one of our other uh, favorites that people have. Kevin, we talked earlier that you come from a, a television news background. Uh, I've spent some time in that in that space as well, behind the scenes. What's your take on social TV and the impact of social media on television and vice versa? We, we've talked about it here on the Social Pros podcast a few times with different guests, but would love to get your take, A, being a, a television guy uh, by, by experience, and also the fact that many General Mills brands are advertised with a, a fair amount of, uh, of oomph uh, on television. You guys do quite a bit of TV advertising. So what's your, what's your take on that? Are you trying to ride the hashtag, so to speak, or uh, do you feel like it's uh, much ado about nothing, or somewhere in between. Well, personally, I think uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, you know, as a uh, as a viewer of TV myself, and certainly from that news background, I think there are great opportunities for brands and companies to to truly tap into, you know, just what this phenomenon has become. Whether it's people watching live TV and live events, or catching up on things later, and and that's you know. Yeah, it certainly has had a huge impact when you talk about TV news and, and the 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 ratings for TV news and, and just that whole marketplace. And um, I just I, I often think sometimes what would it be like to still be in that that realm yeah. uh, as those changes hit that area? And you know, when you went from being always first to never first, <laughs> never first, exactly. And uh, reporters uh, tweeting uh, as they're trying to also capture the story as well. Yeah. And yeah, the one-man wow. bands. I mean, it's. I hear a lot of you know from my former uh, colleagues in in there just how crazy it is. But from that that aspect of you know on the marketing side and the social side, I think you know I, I can't speak to any grand plans that we have here at General Mills, but I I think it certainly has our our folks thinking about 
what can we do with that? And and advertising and marketing have been such you know really the cornerstone of of the business here, especially at our headquarters here. We have a, a lot of folks who you know just come up with some great ideas all the time, and and I know they're thinking about these things. But again, personally, I think why not tap into that? I think the the shows themselves are looking for those opportunities to grow community. Um, even as overall ratings might be lower, I think having passionate fans, you know, certainly there's a business advantage to that as well. And and it's something I have my eye on. And, and corporately, I think we're thinking about it as well because you know, that that type of advertising is is not going away anytime soon. And and certainly represents a a you know a great way to get in front of uh, millions of people. What are you doing corporately in terms of using social media for recruiting and, and HR? Is that something that you are putting emphasis on? Is that something that the HR folks kind of handle uh, within their own uh, community and their own sort of circumstances, whether it's corporate Google Plus pages or LinkedIn pages or, or more specific uses of social? Sure. Yeah, we, uh, we partner with our recruiting uh, team and uh, on our LinkedIn page, so certainly we're active with them there. We've done uh, some Twitter chats in the past, uh, you know, with our folks on the recruiting team to identify you know, and help people who might be interested in working for General Mills to understand what what's the process like. You know, that's still the number one question I get a, a lot from uh, you know friends and family saying, "Hey, how how do I get get my resume in there? How do I get noticed?" And people want to work here, and it, it's fun to to be at a place where that's the case. You know, through that LinkedIn page, we're sharing you know company updates and links to our blog posts and things like that, and strategically thinking about what else can we do there um, beyond just posting jobs and and things like that. Uh, but our, our recruiting team, uh, several members are on Twitter. Um, they actually kind of tag team and take different uh, shifts, if you will, uh, responding to uh, you know people who have just typical questions about areas of the business where they might work, be it finance or manufacturing, things like that. Um, so they've they've actually been uh, about as long as I've been here. They've had a an active presence. They have a, a, a corporate uh, recruiting uh, Facebook page, um, and it's uh, you know it's it's a good way for them to share uh, what they've seen other companies and their recruiting departments do. And, and so I certainly uh, I enjoy supporting them. And on the content side, we're, we're often uh, brainstorming how can we better showcase the types of careers that we have here at General Mills. Um, so we're, we've got some employee stories in the mix mm -hmm. uh, where we can say, okay, here's what an engineer does at, at one of our dough, refrigerated dough plants, or here's what a uh, marketing associate does at headquarters, and, and try to showcase what that job looks like so that applicant or somebody who's thinking about making a switch from another company understands uh, you know, a little bit better through video, through other you know, means, through the blog, uh, what that job is like. I think we need to have a special social pros event at a refrigerated dough plant. We just kind of get everybody, <laughs> we get listeners, and they just kind of show up, and we just go to town. We have a little tweet up. It's going to be amazing. We'll get the we dough just, boy there. And <laughs> oh, dude, seriously. Can we get the dough boy there? That, that, why, why isn't the dough boy on the podcast? Let's get that happy. You know? <laughs> Just okay, as as a child of an eighty of the eighties as well, I have to bring this up. There was a chips episode in which, or maybe it was Emergency. Does anybody remember the show Emergency? Oh yeah, yeah. There was an episode where somebody ate uh, dough that hadn't risen yet, and it, it started <laughs> rising in his stomach, 
And that was the emergency in that episode. They had to take him to the hospital and remove the rising dough. <laughs> Yikes. And that's stuck with me all these years. So well, We might have to fact check that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go yeah. back. We'll li- we'll link to it in the in the blog notes. <laughs> Maybe it's on YouTube. <laughs> That's great. All right, we're going to uh, be back with uh, with Kevin from General Mills. Uh, two two big questions for Kevin. Uh, I'm going to give him a second to gather himself and to fact check uh, the uh, the Great American Dough incident. Uh, and meanwhile, let you know that this here podcast is brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, a world leader in interactive marketing software, powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of lots and lots of fantastic companies. Exact Target has a brand new piece of awesome content uh, that is freely downloadable now called the Audience Growth Survey. In the Audience Growth Survey, it's... Uh, I think it's episode number 22 of the subscribers, fans, and followers uh, research series that uh, Jeff has worked on, and I've done a little work on that as well. In the audience growth survey, uh, Exact Target asked hundreds of digital marketers which tactics they will use to produce new audiences in email, in social, and mobile. You'll discover the most popular and most frequently rated effective tactics for cross-channel growth, top objectives for email, Facebook, Twitter, SMS, etc., and some good recommendations and insights on new and emerging digital marketing tactics right up the alley of all social pros listeners. You can get the audience growth survey now for free at your fingertips at ar.gy slash audience growth. That's ar.gy slash audience growth, all lower case. Okay, Kevin, here's the first question for you. We've actually changed the question since I sent you the email, so don't be alarmed. There's only two, (laughs) there's only two, but one of them you haven't heard before. Uh, And it's this one. Um, what is your one tip for becoming a social pro? If you had to tell somebody one piece of advice uh, to, to do your job well, what would that piece of advice be? That's a good one. And, you know, I, I speak to uh, college students as much as I can and, uh, you know, and just try to impart, uh, you know, any kind of advice that, that speaks to just the, the reality that we're in right now. And I think it's just to, to get out there and, and share content and create content and share it. So you, we've all got a smartphone in our pocket. You know, it's learn how to use these things um, because it's never been easier. It's uh, and certainly writing is a big component of it too. But I would say just practice the tools of the trade before you're ever in a position where you're using those tools for work. That's a excellent advice, I think. Uh, very sound and appropriate, especially for that college student audience. All right, second and last question with uh, Kevin Hunt from General Mills. If you could do uh, a Google Hangout with any living person, who would it be and why? Well, I've thought about this one, um, and uh, because I'm such a huge fan of the show Breaking Bad, and I listened uh, religiously to the podcast that the, that they did for that show, uh, Vince Gilligan, I think, would be a great nice. Great guy to sit down and talk to. I, I think maybe in, in my next life, I'd love to uh, write a few uh, TV or movie screenplays. It's always been a, a pipe dream of mine. But to, just to pick his brain and just understand that writing process on that side of it, how they get from uh, a conference room, throwing out crazy ideas to actually getting that onto the screen, is just uh, it's just fascinating to me. And I think he obviously did it well the last five, six years. And uh, and we'll do it uh, in the future. So I'd love to love to sit down and pick his brain. Oh, that's a great answer. And and I think there needs to be some sort of graphic novel slash funny or die video on Breaking Bad taking place in the Betty Crocker test kitchen. Right? There needs to be some sort of uh, 
cultural mashup there. That would be fantastic. <laughs> we'll start the casting uh, as soon as we can. <laughs> the, exactly. <laughs> See, there's no such thing as bad press. It's, uh, it's all good. No. Kevin, you're welcome to hang out uh, for a few minutes if you like. If you got to go, we understand. We're going to talk a little bit about the social media number of the week and Holy Social. Uh, we're going to get into the uh, social pros number of the week with Jeff in just a second. I want to remind you that uh, the show is brought to you by Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools for the public relations industry. If you need to know who's talking about your company, if you need to know the key media and important influencers around your business, you need Cision. Journalists, bloggers, online influencers, they all use Cision to research story ideas, track trends, and maintain their public profiles. You can get their free ebook called Power Your Story, Content Marketing Essentials for PR. You can get it now at ar.gy slash power story. That's ar.gy slash power story, all lowercase. Thanks, as always, to the good people at Cision. Okay, Jeff, what is the social pros number? of the week. Social pros number of the week is $24,000. $24,000. And uh, despite uh, Scott Stratton's best efforts to uh, put down the QR code, make sure it doesn't kill any more kittens for his latest book, a QR code made a college student $24,000 in bitcoins this weekend. He waved a sign that said, hi, mom, send bitcoins, and it had a QR code on it. And some Reddit fans of Bitcoin enhanced it, posted it to Reddit. It made it into Bitcoin circles where Bitcoin users donated what amounted to over 22 Bitcoins. And at the current uh, going rate of Bitcoins, which is over, I think, $1,100, that student made $24,000 holding up a sign on ESPN's college game day. Wow. Yeah. Just holding up the sign? Just holding up the sign. And uh, we will link to this in the uh, show notes. Uh, but it really is uh, an interesting uh, collection of technologies used here, right? Because yeah. you've got live television that somebody had to pause using a DVR, take a snapshot of that, enhance it, post it to Reddit, where people then scanned the QR code themselves, and uh, the QR code was associated with this uh, student's individual uh, Bitcoin account. The account numbers uh, are public, and Bitcoin transactions are public record. You don't necessarily know who the account holders are, um, but uh, that's how they were able to track how much this student had gotten as of this weekend. It may even be higher than that. I haven't seen an update on this as of yet. But um, it really points to the fact that uh, Bitcoin is um, taken off, possessing a lot of, uh, uh, of energy in terms of folks who are advocating for that independent, uh, non-governmental uh, monetary source. Uh, but it was fueled by social media, but through traditional media is what he originally uh, appeared on. How much could I have gotten for holding up a box account Chocula on college game day? That's what I really want to know. Exactly. I could have just not even had to deal with the whole Bitcoin, you know, QR code thing. I could have just had my cereal sponsored. Can't go wrong with account. 
Well, now I'm afraid that we're going to see QR codes with all sorts of things that students want in the background of every single game this holiday season. It's the it's the new version of getting the Golden Palace Casino dot com or whatever tattooed to your chest when you're a UFC fighter or whatever, you know, like that. Or written, kind of yeah. Yeah. Didn't Danny Bonaducci do that? He had it written in magic marker when they had the celebrity <laughs> boxing matches about 10 years ago. Right. Or our friend Jason, who actually changed his uh, last name to Jason headsets dot com, which is, which is uh, true. Yes. We need to get him on the yes. show. Hey, speaking of television, uh, thanks to Wikipedia, I have verified my emergency exclamation point reference. It did, in fact, appear February 21st, 1976, a birthday boy eats raw dough and gets a stomachache. That was in the show entitled The Great Crash Diet. Wow. (laughs) See, there's the magic of the Internet right there. Do not mess with my uh, obscure television knowledge of reruns from the 70s and 80s. Must have been a store brand refrigerator. <laughs> right. It just said I, I'm dough. Sure at that point, it just said yeah, dough. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure at that point there was there was definitely no corporate sponsorship going on. No, no product placement. Uh, native advertising. We love it. We love it. But moms loved it because they could just point to it and say, "Look, kids, this See? is why you don't eat dough." She says, "As a mom, this is why you don't eat yeah. raw dough." But I remember, yeah. I remember the episode. But I have eaten my fair share of raw cookie dough, so. <laughs> That shows you that the lessons in 60-minute television shows really don't translate to real life. Uh, I want to remind you before we get into holy social. This is kind of a both holy socials today. The Bitcoin, the Bitcoin story, and the next one uh, that uh, this podcast, Social Pros, the very podcast that you are listening to, is sponsored by Xbeon, which has a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and other cool people to manage their social marketing efforts with guile and aplomb. XBeyond's Fave 50 social retail report analyzed the Facebook presence of 50 top U.S. retail brands uh, throughout the whole first half of 2013. All kinds of key social trends there. They looked at 16,000 different Facebook posts to come up with a bunch of lessons that you can use, even if you're not a retailer, even if you're not one of the top 50 retailers in social media. Lots of things there that you can learn from. You can download that now for free, courtesy of our friends at XBeyond.com. You can grab that at ar.gy slash fave50. That's ar.gy slash fave, F-A-V-E, five, zero. Okay, Zena, what is this week's Holy Social? Okay, well, this week's Holy Social, I'm actually going to bump it, but I want to just give it a mention. Um, It's Lowe's Hotels and Resorts. They are actually taking social reservations on Twitter and it's it's super cool and it's really easy to do if you're interested in booking a room all you have to do is tweet at Lowe's Hotels with the hashtag book Lowe's and they found a way to have a secure chat via Twitter to book the rooms which is amazing but as we were getting ready to record today um, just hit the wire that Apple is buying Topsy the Twitter search and analytics firm. And that to me is a huge holy social. I'm still trying to figure out what this all means, but I thought we could just riff about it, um, the four of us, um, as I uh, look online and get a little bit more details on it. But what I'm gathering right off the bat is that Apple bought Topsies for $200 And I just think this is 
incredible news. I'm a little shocked and I'm kind of, you know, scratching my head over it. So just thought we could all talk about it. What I mean, what do you guys think? Yes, breaking news, like literally breaking news here on the Social Pros podcast. And it is a holy social. Um, uh, Apple just bought Topsy for $200 million. Topsy, of course, is a uh, Twitter analysis and sort of metrics tool. Uh, that's a big pile of money for a company that I'm not certain has a huge revenue stream. Um, so it's, it's more of a technology play. And I, I mean, I can see Twitter buying Topsy and I can see Google buying Topsy and I can even see kind of sort of Facebook buying Topsy, but I don't necessarily see Apple buying Topsy. Uh, I am a little bit befuddled and that is, doesn't happen very often. Uh, Jeff, Kevin, what do you think? I agree. I, I think uh, just trying to wrap my head around you know the motivation for it and just you know doing some quick reading. Clearly, you know, it, does it signal uh, you know a way for them to better tap into the data that uh, Twitter has, and and what would they do with that? Uh, in some way, would they uh, you know, incorporate it into their uh, an an app or their OS or their their system? You know, is it more of a, a yeah, what is it? Where is I mean, my the guess? My guess is that it is uh, a layer of information to build into the iOS advertising platform, and they'll use it yeah. for uh, for ad targeting, um, so that you can um, get far better uh, advertising information on iPhones and iPads. That is my guess. That's off the top of my head. Well, and they have the search capability. They recently just announced that, you know, that they have the search capability to go all the way back from the very beginning of Twitter. And you can search anything now, which is over 4 billion tweets, which Twitter doesn't even have that capability. So I was with you, Jay, when they announced that, I think last week, I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. Twitter is going to acquire them because this is phenomenal technology that will only help with Twitter's ad model, right? Um, Jeff, what do you think? I'm, I'm hesitant to even speculate um, because often with these acquisitions, so, you know, many of them kind of fade into obscurity. Um, my, my instinct here is that Apple knows it's got a, a rather sizable social hole that it has not been able to organically fill. And this could be the first kind of wading into the water to understand if perhaps they should be even doing more dramatic things in the social space, more dramatic acquisitions. Um, Especially with social TV, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I think that's probably a good thing. I think, Jay, you're on board with you know, the, the ad piece of it. But um, beyond that, you know, these are the types of things where it's interesting to watch from the sidelines, but uh, difficult to predict you know, kind of what the internal conversation is. Um, uh, what about, what about, okay, we talked about social TV, um, and Twitter, of course, has made some moves, bought some analytics companies uh, that, that really do Twitter analytics. What if this is an ingredient uh, in the to-be-announced uh, Apple television? Feasible. Not, not, yeah. not the yeah. Apple TV box, but the actual Apple TV hardware, which has been rumored for years hardware. and years. The connecting of the dots, yeah, that does make that aligns. Hmm. Hmm. We will see. It is very, very fascinating. Or it could just be crazy. Maybe they thought it. Maybe they thought it did something it doesn't do. You never know. 
And what's two hundred million? What's two? Really? Well, to those guys, to those guys, <laughs> to those guys, it's really nothing. I mean, they're sitting on a pile of cash that is literally legendary. Uh, it is, it is perhaps the biggest pile of free cash flow uh, in real dollars uh, in U.S. corporate history. So, uh, two hundred million for them. A ton of Bitcoin. It is. You would have to have so many QR codes. Um, to you would have to appear on a lot of college game days. <laughs> you would. I don't think Lee Corso himself could generate $200 million in Bitcoin uh, with college Oh, don't game you days. dare. Don't you dare put anything past Lee Corso. That man's a, that man's a saint. When's Lee Corso going to be on the podcast? Work on that. Uh, well, the, the question is, which one of our mascot heads is he going to wear? Xena, of course. What is oh your mascot God. head, Xena? It's a Jayhawk. Count Chocula, obviously. Come on. It's, a ra- it's called a rap back. All right. This show is going off the rails. Um, so I'm going to. As well it should. Yes. The first, the first episode after Thanksgiving, off the rails. I'm going to close this fantastic episode with our friend Kevin Hunt from General Mills by letting you know that this podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Jan Rain, who provide social sharing, social login, and social profile data collection services to some of the most successful online marketers in the world. We all want to collect data on our sites. We all want to make money with Bitcoin. We all want to sell our mythical startup for $200 million. But only Jan Rain has a new free guide that allows you to improve your data quality and conversion rates great tips from those guys. If you haven't downloaded this yet, you need to download it because we're going to switch the creative pretty soon. AR.GY slash better registration. AR.GY slash better registration. Everything you ever wanted to know about social login, but were afraid to ask in that book, grab that from our friends at Jan Rain. All right, Jeff, um, who is on the big social pros podcast next week? Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Oh, don't I mean, tempt me. Fruit 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 got mentioned, booberry, uh Count Chocula, fruity yummy mummy, but Frankenberry was overlooked. And I feel that we need to give equal time to all the monsters. Our, all the serious yes, monsters. monsters. Love That's it. it's not Frankenberry. Actually, uh next week's podcast is Gary Vayner Chuck. Uh, owner of VaynerMedia and author of the uh, crazy hot new book just came out. I'm sure you've seen it because he's been tweeting up a storm. Uh, Jab, 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 right hook. His book came out last week. Gary will be on the show uh, next week talking about all things uh, micro content, very similar to what Kevin was talking about earlier. Gary's Gary's on Twitter. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I need need to to write that. I know. Never heard of it, right? Uh, So yeah, he'll talk about a bunch of case studies and things that they're doing and uh, and the future and technology, and it'll be wild and crazy. So looking forward to that. Kevin, thanks very much. We appreciate you having on the show. You were great. Congrats on all the great stuff you're doing at uh, General Mills. Well, thanks for having me. I listen to you guys every week. Appreciate the conversations and uh, the great guests that you have and just uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks so much. And we're actually giving away free books next week uh, Next week of, uh, of Gary's book. I don't know if we're giving away free cereal. Maybe we'll talk about that off air. Uh, so uh, please keep listening to the show. Tell your friends. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Jeff Roars from Exact Target. She is Zena Wiest from Xbeyond. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to presenting sponsor Exact Target, as well as Cision, Janraid, and XPI. Now, get back to work. <laughs>